Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast of films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are watching Top Gun. The reason we're watching it is because Top Gun Maverick, the sequel, was supposed to be coming out in cinemas quite soon. Uh, But because, of course, of uh, general health concerns, uh, that movie has been delayed until later in the year. We can't have COVID-19 and Tom Cruise fever at the same time. Uh, Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen Top Gun, it's Brett Cullen, everybody. Hello, I'm back. You certainly are, Brett. You can't get rid of me, quite frankly. Yeah, no, we've tried. We've tried. Mm-hmm. But yet, uh, oh, I've, I've noticed. You're still here. Uh, Brett, mm-hmm. you have not seen Top Gun. I actually haven't. I think I've seen, I've seen significant amounts of it. Mm-hmm. And I like Tony Scott as a director for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I've never, when you posted the poll, I actually thought about it. And went, I've never actually sat down and watched it the whole way through. Mm. I think I've only seen the music video, which we'll uh-huh. talk about. Um, and like some clips here and there. Hmm. I feel like that's a very common experience for people who haven't seen Top Gun. I myself have not seen Top Gun either, but mm. I kind of feel like I have. And of course, tonight yeah. that that may change. Uh, I may watch it and go, nope, <laughs> I had no idea what this movie was about. But yeah. uh, I think partly through things like the 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 video clip as you said for even through you know movies spoofing it like uh, hot shots and things like that i was about I, I, to say i've seen hot shots and hot shots part two many yes. many many times <laughs> so yeah so uh, it, I, I suppose in a vague non-spoilery sort of way uh, which is lucky you can't spoil it because you haven't seen it um mm. but what are you expecting from uh, top gun um i'm expecting shirtless greased up volleyball mm-hmm. uh, i know that's i know that's coming Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Russians are the bad guys in this one from memory, but I don't know. Um, and Tom Cruise doing his own stunts and his um, single middle tooth. So if yes. you look very closely, he's got one tooth in the middle of his face. It's very strange. Yes. Now that is, um, that's, that's old Tom there. Well, that sounds like it could be a <laughs> tremendously good fun. I'll be honest, that's kind of the same thing that I'm expecting as well. Uh, so mm. joining us as the guest who has seen the film and can tell us how right or wrong we are, it's Andrew David. Hello, thank you for having me on this, uh, this socially distant episode. Yes, uh, <laughs> we've been socially distancing for uh, quite a while now. It, it, I, I do have to say, uh, it, w- this could be a really good or bad time capsule, but Things look like they might be going okay uh, in terms mm. of in, in our little in our little corner for yes, sure. Yes, very specifically in the nation of Australia, um, things do seem to be going a little bit better. Uh, certainly not to the uh, extent that we've seen in other parts of the world where it is truly um, not, not great. Good. Yeah, yeah, mm. I think that's the the polite way of saying it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> at the moment, things here looking a little okay, and you look well, Andrew David. H- how have you been during this lockdown? Uh, I've been coping pretty well. It, it was a bit touch and go there for a little bit where work shut down and we all just sat at home doing nothing but playing video games, which honestly is a bit of a vacation. So I was fine with mm-hmm. that for, for a while, but um, work's picked up again. Uh, I, I can actually leave the house and do things, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cold, but not too cold at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And I most more or less have my health. Had a sore throat, but it wasn't anything bad. So we're good. Okay, that's good to hear. Uh, Top Gun, you have seen the film. What can I we have. expect in a vague, non-spoiler uh, sort of way? I've seen this film once. Okay. For six years ago? Maybe six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you guys pretty much covered it. Um, oh. Crazy homoeroticism <laughs> is, is like mm-hmm. most of the takeaway from this film, I feel. And also, as I'm sure we'll get to, the very uh, pro-American military message of the film. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like, wouldn't it... Uh, I believe after this came out, there was a massive jump in uh, employment... Uh, so recruitment for the uh, American Air Force because um, this was partially funded by them, um, mm. which shows because uh, all the airplane dogfighting stuff is really cool. Um, but like the homoeroticism is the most important thing I feel. I mean, that and, may have been um, the thing been the thing driving the recruitment. We don't know. Maybe, <laughs> um, but uh, the the whole Tom Cruise middle tooth thing they do get around a fair bit by putting him in a lot of uh, helmets. Mm. Yeah, so, I think I think uh, this is actually pre braces as well. So oh. there was no attempt made to fix it. This is pre his um, braces phase, which I think was. Oh, did he attempt to fix it? Did that happen? Yeah, he got braces to kind of shift things across, but I'm not sure it did anything much. So, but hey, mm. you know, he got he's he's allowed to have one tiny imperfection in his uh, beautiful physique. I think mm. we can let him have that. I mean, yeah, yeah, this is this is 1980s Tom Cruise, who uh, was definitely yeah. a little bit of a looker. Uh, so with all that being said, shall we watch Top Gun? Let's do it. Let's. All right. For those of you listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs or boot up those streaming services and prepare to have your breath taken away as we watch Top Gun. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Top Gun. And by we, I, of course, mean Andrew David. Hello. Survive the danger zone. You certainly did. And taking our breath away, it's Brett Cullen. (laughs) I feel the need, the need to talk (laughs) about this movie. Well, Brett, this was your first time watching it in its entirety. Mm. How was Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. It was pretty good. I think we were were, um, chatting away via... via, text the whole time and i think that's its own entertaining little mini episode there but yeah it was extremely macho extremely um homoerotic mm-hmm. and yeah hero's journey script writing 101 like that i was, was picking the moments the whole time that was a real revelation uh, watching this is that this this is this is just the hero's journey so mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. obviously laid out um, it yeah, was, they really but, took the simplest structure they could and slapped some fighter jets onto it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no twists. There was no nothing. It was it was the most basic possible version of this hero story. Yeah. I, I would say there's maybe one slight twist, but I think it's and it's maybe one of the better things this film does is where the lead um, uh, female uh, Charlie, the love interest, you, we meet her in her sort of like as as a person before we meet her in her capacity as someone in a position of authority over uh, Maverick as played by Tom Cruise mm. and when you know she turns up at the thing the next day and he's he and Goose are just like oh no we've done it we've done a goof <laughs> <laughs> we're really in for it now yeah, yeah. That, that that was a nice twist i mean yeah i mean th- th- like this film has got one of the simplest plots to explain which is uh Maverick or Tom Cruise or Peter, or whatever you want to call him, Maverick. He flies planes. Peter Mitchell. Peter Mitchell, yeah. Peter uh, Mitchell. Such a, yeah. Like, because I don't call him by name until halfway through the film, and yeah. then you're like, yeah, oh, that's a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Also, Goose's Goose's name is not mentioned the entire time. Yeah, I think even his see... wife calls him Goose. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think yeah. you see a bit of the name on one of the the dog tags or Goose tags. Yeah, uh, but that's yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, Maverick and Goose, oh, they're a couple of likable lads just flying around oh. in multi-million dollar airplanes and flipping off people. <laughs> oh, what? They're, they're so relatable, though. Yeah. They're just like us. But weirdly, <laughs> I actually did find them quite relatable in that first instance. Oh, yeah. In, in terms of down into- there. Yeah. Their friendship is probably the most believable part of the whole film. Like, mm-hmm. the two actors uh-huh. play off each other really well. They do. And I think yeah. what's, what's nice is I, I like to think that everybody has that one friend who 
they would get up to that kind of chicanery with. You've got that one person where you go, yeah, yeah we, we get each other's vibe. And I was, I, I was thinking of my, my best friend from high school, who's still one of my closest friends. Uh, and I was looking at it going, yes, that's exactly the kind of thing, like that kind of like just general, maybe not exactly the exact kind of thing. We didn't take military airplanes and, <laughs> and endanger people's lives. You didn't flip off a Russian pilot while inverted at 4Gs? No, no, I'm afraid we, mm. we, we didn't do anything Missed like opportunity. that. But mm. but that that sort he, of a, sorry so quick tangent yeah we keep referring to them as Russians but are they just vaguely communist they're are they vaguely, ever actually no, communist? They're, they're, they're vaguely, never specified they say MIGS the I was gonna see yeah because we're talking about it's ever had MIGS is Russia so mm. yeah they, they oh okay they never specify what they are because originally this is to to pilfer a little bit from the trivia section and plop plop it in here um, they were originally going to be North Korean uh, North mm, Korean. No. Um, enemy combatants and then they went start work though well exactly uh but also they went you know what if we just don't name the foreign aggressor we kind of don't need it because this film is not really about details or depth it's it's literally just about it's about join the navy at the end of the lens of a jet flying past yeah it's like come look at this plane fly. That could be you, could it? Who knows? You know, that kind of thing. It was, um, yeah, like it, it didn't worry itself about those details. And I think that the film actually works better because it doesn't yeah. worry about those things. It, yeah, it, it moves it, forward at a fair clip, but it's still a two hour film. And in 1986, that's, that's an anomaly. Mm. Most films hung around at 90 minutes about that for a two yeah. hour film. It did sustain my interest the whole time. It was pretty good. Mm. I I have to say um, that I was not engaged by this film very much, um, <laughs> and I, I, but I think it would have been worse for me personally had they tried to be quite serious or a bit more um, reality focused. Like if if when they got the the notes on graduation day saying you're going in because there's this thing happening and it went mm. super serious not this kind of weird like we're just going to press the synth harder serious which worked really well <laughs> like if it was all serious and it dropped and then you know they were having super serious contemplative moments and we're going into war and that kind of thing i think i would have actively disliked this movie a lot more the fact it was still kind of like well this is what you've been training for let's go I, yeah, I feel I like I don't think it could have yeah. survived a tone change like that. Yeah, um, and they do toe the line because they just say, "Oh, it's a rescue mission, but there might be enemy combatants." So just like, uh, go fly up there and hope nothing goes wrong, and then mm. maybe blow up a few maybe Russians, <laughs> and don't question it too much. We're definitely not definitely, starting World War Three. Definitely MIGs. Like the only country that's ever operated MIGs is Russia. So by them not going Russia but also saying MIGs, mm. they're, they're narrowing it down pretty hard. It's yeah. kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge to any yeah. airplane enthusiasts being yeah. like, going, we're, we, you know it's Russia. Yeah, like in World War II film going, we're being attacked by zeros. And it's like, well, the only people that ever ran those was Japanese. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Although it was nice to see the um, TIE fighter pilots from Star Wars getting some extra work. <laughs> face yeah, they sometimes. really had a dry run for that, the three years between yeah. that and, and return of the jedi and i'm, I'm glad mm. they still picked up a bit in the yeah um, half of the decade but yeah we're, we're following maverick we're following tom cruise who I, I do have to say tom cruise is quite good in this not that he's not that he's acting well but he is acting correctly for this film yes um, an arrogant shithead yeah <laughs> yes. um and but and i think one thing uh i should point out is all three of us obviously watching this in lockdown in separate houses but we all apparently watched it with our partners um mm-hmm. based on the text mm-hmm. chat um <laughs> and i think that's really interesting uh just because obviously this is such a kind of like 80s american heterosexual male power fantasy film yeah, yeah. um and i'm just kind of curious what what did your partners think of it because i have dr ellen <laughs> sears's thoughts down here uh, <laughs> you have them recorded i do Austerity. i have a couple yeah i have a couple recorded but um because mostly i think we can all watch this and kind of go this is a fantasy not just because mm. it's a hero's journey but it is such just a power fantasy yes yeah 
Um, but yeah, one of the one of the things where it was like, okay, no, there are a couple of bits where um, Ellen was like, oh no, this seems fair. She was a bit concerned about how dehydrated they all were in the volleyball scene. <laughs> um, uh, I was watching this with my my girlfriend Georgia, mm. and she cannot stand Tom Cruise. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as a person or as an actor, um, she thinks he's creepy and and uh, he doesn't act. He just plays himself mm-hmm. as an arrogant asshole, which is yeah, not inaccurate. more or less himself. Mm. Um, so it was hard for her to get past that. Um, but uh, she enjoyed all the shirtless scenes, as you would. Um, mm-hmm. I had a running um, ab tally going. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I counted. Did you run out of in paper? The end, no, no, because there were a lot of times when people were shirtless, but you didn't see abs because they were looking uh, away from the camera or they had towels yeah. up to their midriff. Mm. So that um, I had to keep rebuffing her, pointing that out to me and say, no, these don't count towards the tally. In <laughs> yeah. the end, I only counted 10 separate ab instances, okay. but they were, they were pretty prominent. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, very they much. were ongoing whenever they came up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she did not enjoy this film <laughs> at all. Yeah, look, I, and I have to say, I didn't dislike this film, but I definitely didn't like it. And I think that f- for me, at least, I think part of it is that I find plane fights a bit boring. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, post Second World War jet fights because i find in a lot of films they're just shot in a way where i can't follow what happens now this film actually does them really well and i think that's maybe one of the reasons why top gun stands out so well is for the time and for the fact that so many of these shots are practical they do an incredible job of making it feel like actual air combat um not not that i've experienced it but in terms of like our shared sort of media understanding of what those dogfights look like in a contemporary setting I think mm-hmm. they have been shot really well, but I was still bored watching them. So I think it's a problem with me <laughs> and air combat. Like when it's in Star yeah. Wars, I'm totally fine. But but when well, it's there's like, no air, is there? So oh, true, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Maybe some, that's the uh, the deciding factor. Yeah, there's yeah. just some, yeah. I, I guess it's just the something about jet planes that don't vibe for me. But I'm curious, Brett, as as a first time watcher of the film in its entirety, mm-hmm. how did how did the combat sit for you? Is that, is that me reading between lines of you going, you as the resident meathead? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, Brett. Uh, but if you want to take it well, as Well, I'll say it. Yeah. I'll say it. I am, I am, I am a fan of, of, of the more machismo violence and explosions and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Like I, I was looking at the technical aspect of getting those shots. So those shots of the planes were at the end of a very long lens to get the background really crushed. It was all in focus and they were going at like Mark one, you know? So from a technical standpoint of just getting those shots, I was so impressed because it looks like I'm gonna have to go watch a video, try and find some behind the scenes stuff. It looks like they were taking shots from a helicopter because it was, it was was a high shot and they were really, really good. Mm. Really, really, really well shot. And I think really well edited as well. So the rolling backgrounds for the cockpit shots were really, really well comped in. Like it was very, very tight. It was really tight. Um, do you know who produced this? Uh, it was, uh, Brookheimer, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was Jay Mr. Transformers himself. Yeah. Mm. Mr. Um, style of the substance. And it shows, right? Like this is where he was, he was cutting his teeth on blockbusterisms. And, um, I think that shows in what it is. And I think, it's the same as, as the, the fight scenes in the first Transformers. Technically, looks fantastic. Hmm. Emotionally and, and sort of in terms of engagement, there's just nothing there. It, I watched it and I was like, oh, cool. But again, because it was so formulaic, I knew it was going to happen and I knew when it was going to happen, not having seen it anyway. Hmm. So it was just like, and I mean, it's things like <laughs> you have a scene at the top of the second, middle to the end of the second act of everyone bonding together, the father being playing the piano, Goose playing the piano and the kids there. And, oh, it's all so good. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're about an hour and 25 in. Okay, cool. So Goose is going to die. And it's just <laughs> like, it was just it was so easy to signpost, you know, because um, someone had to die. Otherwise there was no stakes for the rest of the film. Mm. And it had to be Goose. It had to be Goose because he was the most vulnerable. Um, I remember reading actually, and this is before I saw the films so have no context that the Navy changed how he died. Apparently the original script was they, 
they died in a crash, but the Navy went, mm, no, no, we don't want to show a crash. We want to show our pilots as competent. So it's going to be a, an ejection malfunction. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, we'll, we'll get to that, but yeah, this is a, this is a big old ad in the same way that Transformers mm-hmm. was an ad for the army. Yeah. It was funded the same way. It was hinging on the same relationships that Bruckheimer had already built. Mm. Um, there, there's a lot of building. Oh, hang on. No, Michael Bay did Transformers. He, he did, but, but he, he directed. I see them as the same person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of visual language in this, which is just, uh, I have specifically the note of, look at how cool planes are. Yeah. Even yeah, yeah. like anytime the fighter pilots come back to, to base or to like the, the carriers, there's just, you know, a crowd of people looking in awe and like, yeah. uh, like championing them, them and raising them up as heroes. Hmm. And, it, it, it's kind of the message seems to be you may not be able to be that fighter pilot, but you can be the guy watching the fighter pilot on that air carrier. And wouldn't that be just be as close cool to them? Yeah. yeah. And, and that seems to be really where they're marketing a lot of this. Um, yeah. In, in terms of marketing then, um, why did they market it as being such a sweaty place? Because oh any time, any time yeah, they were why inside, were they so sweaty? <laughs> yeah, every scene. <laughs> so, like, I get, so you know, sweaty all the time. Yeah, I I get that. Um, oh, nice foley. I get that the um, the, the the training base was in Florida, and like that's a pretty humid place. Uh, mm. But but still, like just just when they're in the base and they're going, sir, some bogies have appeared, and they've got the bold guy who's just going around going ah and smoking a cigar. Like he's just well, ripping. I'm a military archetype, but a cigar. <laughs> that was on the ship. He's the he's the principal from Back to the Future as well. Yeah, yeah, he is. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. But it, that, that was on the aircraft carrier, and yeah. aircraft carrier, yeah. they're all air conditioned. Like it. it... <laughs> yeah. It was weird. It's I guess it was operationally just... flawed to be sweating not... like that in the war room. Yeah, it's not weird. even just when they're tense in the war room because they're yes. like, "Oh, what's going to happen?" In the, like the very in the second scene when they're in his office and like getting the the rundown, mm. they're way sweaty. Like obviously you're getting yelled at by a superior and it's it's frightening, but it's just that I think that's the most sweat in the entire film. Mm. Yeah, and they're just when, standing when... in a room. When he leans in at the very early scene and the teacher's dressing down um, Maverick and then the guy, crash and burn, he gets up and goes, you stink. My immediate thought was like, everyone's going to be stinking because everyone is sweating. Everyone must be dehydrated. No wonder they look like that in the volleyball scene because everyone is just nonstop leaking from every pore in their body. Yeah, it it was was um, on the note. Of, of that scene, I did also have a homoeroticism counter. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yeah. Which I'm definitely, I probably only got half, um, but I, I did get like 15 pure ongoing instances of, of oh, yeah. um, very yeah. in your face. Now, uh, how many flirtation. of them? How many of them were directly between Maverick and Iceman? Uh, <laughs> at least three quarters of them. <laughs> yeah. Or just yeah. things like Iceman's first line in this film is in a lecture theater and he turns to <laughs> his, his co-pilot and just says, this gets me hard. But it's oh, so interesting God. because that machismo in the eighties has been completely co-opted towards the early nineties culturally into gay culture mm. of like the big muscle man, the big mustaches, the short shorts, the tight shirts, the like, it, it's so strange it, yeah, in retrospect. It's re- not strange. It's interesting to see that shift of, of cultural appropriation mm. of that machismo. And, and it, it was in the predator as well. It was something that we mentioned yeah. when we did the predator one way back of, you know, big muscles and lots of sweat and bro code and, you know, mm. you know, dicks out and testosterone flying and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's really interesting in this film because you could absolutely do an analysis of, of like a gay point of view for this film mm. of a homosexual point of view and, and make a fairly solid case for a repressed relationship, sexual desire relationship between Iceman and Maverick easily, mm. easily and, without even trying. Yeah. And I think it didn't help that I wasn't necessarily buying into the relationship between Charlie and Maverick, not, not because the acting was bad, and not just because of the weird kissing technique, which we'll get onto, but, <laughs> but just because I really, really found, I, I just did not believe that 
Charlie was that desperate to 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 get to get some action. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Honestly, also, Maverick and Iceman have like fifty times the chemistry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. Maverick and Charlie. Yeah. Like, and Char- Charlie's like uh, Charlie's great. I love the kind of like the, the 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 interaction that she and Maverick had. But I would have liked it more if they never hooked up because the hooking yeah. up. It, I just didn't believe it that you know the whole you know the fact that she's fallen for him it's like I, I don't buy that with this character well, what, whatsoever do you want to know do something think... interesting oh Sorry, I, I do I always want to know something that interesting. silhouette sex scene was added after because text uh, test audiences didn't believe the relationship right uh, and so was the scene in the elevator with her hair up because yes. apparently she gone into a different thing so clearly the 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 original script was on along those same lines where this works better as a have they haven't they will mm. they won't they and with redirection of that tension back into the the fighting and the piloting and the plane stuff but yeah i it was it was strange right it was very it was very contrived was I, very- I wonder if they expanded on that relationship because they looked at the film they had made and were worried that it was too homoerotic like, I, I really do wonder if, like, the, the 80s producers would have looked at this film mm. and said, no, you need to expand a heterosexual relationship because we can't have that in this film. Well, that's interesting because it was the same thing in Predators. And Predators, sorry, is that it was all guys except for one woman who was mostly mute. And yeah, yeah but at least in Predator. Military, you know, don't, don't ask, don't tell stuff. Mm. So. But yeah. at least Predator is designed to uh, subvert the myth of masculinity and absolutely and like then and that uh, the trope of the invincible muscle-bound military hero. This film seems by to be the playing face. all those straights, all, all those um, tropes completely straight. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they're just running with it. Yeah, um, I, I do have to say, I I did kind of enjoy. Uh, the the father figure Viper in this film as well. Um, yeah. Tom yeah. Tom Skerritt was just. I I just really like the fact that he seemed about as nuts as Maverick, but <laughs> you know it, it's like he's gotten away with it. He's just there going like, yeah, no, it's you know it's like he's he's struggling after the death of Goose. Yeah, make him do it again. Just make him yeah. fly off that PTSD. It'll yeah. be fine. Forget forget about him. Forget about him. Move on. It's like he died. He, like you just told me he died just now. Yeah. Yeah. Get over it. Get over it. Yeah. Don't um, be soft. Harden up. Do your job. Yeah. I, also, I, th- I saw your father die, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about that eventually, but not right now. Yeah. It was. It was just a bit weird, but also it was right. It. it but it fit the film. It. It did fit the film. Um, it did yeah. feel like he was an image of what Maverick could become if he could rein in some of his crazier tendencies but yeah he's the, he's the future he's the future echo that's yeah. that's but the could, archetype he's a future echo of mm. this is where you can be plus time if you make the right choices so it is that mentor figure as well it's it's so formulaic it's just like especially oh, because maverick does uh end up becoming an instructor in the end like yes. a week after he graduates uh yeah, that's which weird, is a bit right? weird hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah it, not as weird though as Tom Cruise's kissing technique in this film, which ah mm. uh, yes, got a lot of ire, uh, a lot of sticking <laughs> sticking the tongue out, um, and a lot of just sticking the tongue right into the roof of the mouth. Uh, yeah, really feeling that soft palate with the with the tip of his tongue. Yeah, um, it it was weird, right? Like it was it was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was very weird. It was Georgia. Very, very weird. I went to kiss her goodbye and say, hey, I'm going to go do the second half of the podcast. And she pulled that move on me. And I broke from her embrace. And she laughed in my face and I ran away. Yeah, that's, she, she's a keeper. She's a keeper. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just, just, just one of many weird, weird things in this film. Um, but But it's kind of satisfying as well. Like there's something about it where it's like, it's got a kind of, a little bit like Maverick itself. It's kind of like, you know, you are not good at what you're doing, but I like you. Like, it's... it's you're giving so, it 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely. It's just reminded me, Iceman is kind of set up to be a, an antagonist in this film. Mm. But he's, like, a model pilot. Yes, he's, he's talking about safety and that 
we're all on the same team and we should be working together and you are a danger to us because you are unpredictable and not following along. Mm-hmm. And like you said, who knew the person with the call, uh, call sign of Maverick was the one that was going to break the rules. <laughs> yeah. It was well, just, yeah, he's only an antagonist because of Maverick's own insecurities. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's only the antagonist because we're given more access to, to Maverick. It's like the karate kid, right? Like mm. it once that, that's why they did the sequel with um, the Cobra Kai guys. Like as soon as you swap over, you can make a good writer will make the antagonist sympathetic still. Mm. And if your antagonist is against the protagonist, the protagonist becomes the antagonist. If that makes sense. It's like, you know, yeah. Mm. the point of the bad guy is, is explored. So we get more of an idea of it. It's, it was well done, but yeah, I mean, for all of the, for all of the memes and all of the, the information from Iceman, he's not in it a lot. Like he's not in it much at all. Yeah. There's maybe three scenes where he's a proper face-to-face foil. Mm. And then he's the damsel. He goes from, he goes from like the mirror archetype to the damsel in the third act, mm. which is like, imagine it's like Han Solo being rescued by Lee Skywalker at, at the end of a new hope. Mm. Like it's that weird yeah. trope that didn't quite, work for me i'm like well but you know what it also showed it reinforced everything that maverick was doing because maverick okay so in the third act maverick learned to be that we're all on the same team like i said in 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 the chat it was like the theme of the third act will be we're all on the same team and of course you know maverick abandons his mavericky ways sort of to rescue his wingman finds that middle ground exactly he still uses his he uses the force Mm but also still relies on his teammates to do the job. So it's exactly what the hero's hero's journey is. is like you have the magic inside you, but you have to learn to use it and you can only use it from external examples. So, yeah. Also that final combat, everything that goes wrong, uh, Maverick overcomes through lessons he learned directly from the school. So it's almost like a thing to be like, hey, you could be in this situation, but if you went to our school... You'll be fine. You could be a top gun. Right into the danger zone. Danger zone. Uh, which, um, by the top way, Top Gun Tally is also eight. Eight minutes for Top Gun? Uh, that's what I caught. Not counting the hats, which are in okay. every scene. They are. Mm. I mean, I do have to say, though, the music, the, the danger the zone. The two songs. The two the songs. Two songs the same clip of the two songs, danger zone and take my <laughs> breath away were brilliant. But it, but it did get to the point where I did feel as though that only Tom Cruise could hear take my breath away. Like it was really weirding me out. It was a bit strange because anytime those two were on the screen together or in the same space, that mm-hmm. song started playing. And so like seven minutes in, it had already started playing like four or five times. Mm. It was very strange. Yeah. yeah, was the Goose Memorial music the same music as like the the Maverick Charlie seduction music? Oh, I, I don't think know. it was the same song. I'd have to go back and have a look. Um, yeah, it, but it also could be from any other point in the film because again, they only use the same two songs, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit hard. Which like, it's probably not appropriate to use Danger Zone after he's died. So I guess, yeah, you just use a bit of "Take My Breath Away," just the, <laughs> yeah, which is also inappropriate when you think about it. I mean, uh, yeah, his oh. breath got taken away like entirely. Mm, yeah, but pretty badly. The music was was interesting. Um, I I do also have to give a shout out to um, a brilliant honouring of the three um, joke rule of the guy getting coffee spilt on him. Um, yeah. God, he was brilliant. I just loved. I just loved how angry he was. He was so yeah. mad. He was high ranking. He was like, if you look at his medal, I didn't see what his stripes or anything were, but he was high ranking. So I'm not sure what the deal with that is, but mm. yeah, it was strange. It was very. That strange. man is just trying to do his job as an air traffic controller. Mm. Well, not like, even he, that. He's just trying to have a cup he, of coffee. Yeah, he has to, to ensure the safety of the airspace around his like proposed zone. Yeah, and this. This idiot Maverick is just ruining that for him. Mm. I, I would be so mad at his shoes. Yeah, his but coffee sodden shoes. <laughs> Wasted good coffee as yeah. well. Yeah. The, well, the best- he's, he's clearly high rank because he was bitching out Maverick's boss's boss, remember, mm. in the office yeah. while they were waiting outside. So it's interesting that there was zero repercussions. Yeah, I just loved as he's storming off, that's 
twice. Just <laughs> and then what does he say? He says, um, I want butts, is what he says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want butts. Again, features that like? homosexual uh, subtext. Oh yeah. Were. Well, maybe okay. he was talking about pork butts. Maybe he was looking for a barbecue. It is Florida. It is Florida, um, and also uh, something which we discussed in the group chat, and specifically um, Ellen was not happy about, and you wrote in red pen, Andrew, was Tom Cruise following a lady into the bathroom. That's a no. Don't follow women that to was, the bathroom. That yeah, was very strange. And then implied that he wanted to have sex with her right there on the like scene. He did not imply. He did not imply, Stephen. Okay, okay. He clearly said, he was "Let us have sex on the counter, please." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was. It was strange and unnerving and very 80s. Yeah, and that that was not a good moment in this film. Um, no. But at the, and, and, yeah, and like, you know, he was rebu- rebuked, but they did end up hooking up, and I'm like, ah, I'm just not comfortable with that. And then she comes back at the end. That was the weirdest thing. She just shows back mm. up. So she sacrifices her, well, we assume she sacrifices her career mm. to come back and hang out with this guy who has now decided to, yeah, be a teacher? So it was weird. The question is, before we get to the trivia, there's a sequel of this film that was due to come mm. out around about now. And obviously we, we have to wait till the end of the year for it now. Uh, I'll start with you, Brad, because it was your first time watching it. Are mm-hmm. you interested in seeing the yeah. sequel? Okay. Yep. Actually, in between when we finished it and when we started recording this, I very quickly watched the trailer. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, to be honest, I've watched like all the last, all the the, the recent Tom Tom Cruise films I've really enjoyed. So, Oblivion and um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. The Mission Impossible films are fantastic. Like The Mummy. I think he. I haven't watched that actually. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but he makes great films, and I have mm. to respect how hardcore he is in achieving the things he wants to do so he in the second film he flies those jets he's in those jets Mm. you know he's just done a deal with nasa and to go up into the iss and do actual filming in the international space station in zero g not wires not actually going up there Mm. and filming and i'm like well you know you're a crazy you know avatar of a dangerous cult Mm. but you're pretty good in the movies so we'll have to yeah i i I will see it, mm. but I probably will wait for like streaming. I'm not super, yeah. in, I'm not going to pay to go sit in the cinema and do it really. Mm. I would probably have to agree with Brett. Um, I'm interested in seeing it, especially if they're going full practical jet fighters again. Mm. Um, it doesn't it look like be... it from the trailer. There was pretty oh, serious. Um, yeah, I could spot some CG unless it's, I'm pretty good at spotting CG and it, there was a, a bunch of them. Um, Mm. that looked like cj shots um but knowing tom cruise i would say the vast majority will be practical and actual that yeah that that is what interests me um seeing those practical dog fights with like updated um technology and like uh videography for it but i don't really care what happens to his character mm. no uh not implying that he has a character um <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah, I, I think yeah. I'll wait for streaming. I'll I'll see it eventually, but I'm not going to rush out to grab it. No, All right. I think I read the plot was there was a young female pilot that shows up that's very Maverick esque, and so he takes it upon himself to mentor her. Um, and as Goose's long as it's not a romance, that could be interesting. Yeah, and Goose's grown up son is in it. So oh, that could be cool. Oh. Yeah, is he played by Ryan Gosling? No, he's played by um, the guy that played Mr. Fantastic in The Terrible Fantastic. He was in... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? The I can't remember his name, but I know Switch, who you mean. Sway. Um, sideways. No, Slow Down. What is that film? I don't know. I'm just very upset the, the, that nobody landed at my excellent Gosling goose joke, but never mind. Oh, oh Whiplash. Know. Whiplash. I just thought because they look pretty similar. No, Miles no, Teller. That was entirely Miles Teller. Miles Teller yeah. yeah, plays his son. And if you have a look at the trailer, it's real good. He's got the same mustache. He's got the same long face as Anthony Edwards. Perfect. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. You know, I'll send you a picture now, actually. Please drop it in chat. All right. While that picture's coming in, would you guys like to hear some trivia about Top Gun? Yes, Give please. 
All of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. The first bit of trivia uh, that we are going to cover... Yeah, no thanks. I've been <laughs> working it into a few episodes recently, and it's good because it rhymes and it covers the fact that I'm just taking stuff from the internet that is open source. Um, and it's a merch opportunity. You can put it on shirts, hats, everything. Ah, oh, true, true. Yes, yeah. that's, that's exactly the cut type of thing I'm sure everyone would like. <laughs> if, you would, if you would actually like uh, Cinema Catchup Club based rhyming merchandise, uh, let us know. Uh, just send us an email. Uh, so, the real Top Gun school, because it is a real thing, imposes... That was my first note. Yeah. Is Top Gun a real thing? It is a real thing. My very thing. first note. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, they impose a $5 fine to any staff member that quotes this film. Uh, yeah, you would have to, though. You would have to. Yeah. That, it's just like the episode of Community where um, you can't ghost in the pottery class. Uh, yeah. Although you'd have to assume that it's fallen out of the zeitgeist a little bit seeing this film is 30 years old. I don't know. I really feel like somebody's going to walk in going, I feel the need, the need for speed. You might not get a lot of... You gave me $5. Yeah, you might not get a lot of like, um, you know, that's twice. You might not get that. (laughs) I want butts. (laughs) But but certainly lots of it I could see um, happening, including um, I'm not here to blow sunshine up your ass, which was something that Viper said. That's got to be common. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a good phrase. It has to come up. But but the saying is smoke. The saying is, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass. Why, why is he blowing yeah. sunshine up there? How? I think it was kind of like a metaphor for, I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. I don't want to make you feel happy, all sunshine and rainbows. Isn't and... that what the original saying means, though? <laughs> I will, no, blow smoke up your... Actually, if we want to have a very quick tangent, blowing smoke up your ass comes from a naval term because mm. they thought the way to resuscitate drowned men was to give them a smoke enema. That's where that term actually comes oh. from. Hmm. What, to so I think make them cough? I, blowing smoke up your ass means, I don't know, I don't know, blowing smoke up your ass means a completely, you, you're doing nothing for me. I don't mean to blow smoke up your ass, I don't mean to waste your time, I don't mean to try and resurrect you when you're already dead. Um, so in that context, sunshine up your ass makes even less sense, yeah. but I took it as a, a weird mixed metaphor for I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the first in uh, what I hope will be an ongoing segment of Brett Cullen explaining names to us, or as I've decided to call it, Brettomology. <laughs> uh, you would, you would though. That's very good. I need to share it with that on it. Yeah. Um, when the guys as students were first being spoken to by Charlie in the hangar, Maverick explains that he gave the bird to a MiG. She asks how he saw the MiG up close and he says he was flying inverted. Uh, at that point, Iceman coughs and goes, bullshit, like that. Uh, that was improvised, so everyone's reactions to that are real. That is all the cast actually laughing at Val Kilmer. That's great. That, that's the kind of, yeah on-the-spot decision-making, you'd want in an actor. Mm. Yeah. You're like, just keep ribbing. Just keep ribbing Maverick. You hate him. Or Maverick thinks he's him. So keep going for it. Yeah. Um, so most of the, the lead actors in this film, um, certainly the, well, the pilot ac- ac- actors anyway, uh, got to experience flying in a jet plane. Uh, they got to be taken up and uh, experience what it was like to, to be flying, at the, the, you know, several g's um and only one of them didn't vomit which i think is yeah. excellent anthony edwards <laughs> was the only one who did not vomit goose so yeah he goose um Iron- ironically the only one to not make it through the film yeah yeah, yeah but um yeah in fact tom cruise uh when he went up because uh, it, it took them a while to actually get tom cruise on board for this film um, to, to convince him that he was he was the right guy to do it. Um, uh, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer managed to convince him by um, getting the Navy to agree to take him for a flight and do a bunch of barrel rolls. And apparently after he'd been throwing up uh, and landed back on the tarmac, he ran to a payphone and said, I'm in, I want to do this. 
<laughs> and he hasn't stopped since. Yeah. No, he hasn't. Like this, this would absolutely be the start of his like fascination with speed and vehicles and yeah. Oh, Days of Thunder, I guess. But yeah. Do they do they give you little vomit bags yep. in Jet Fighters? Uh, as I understand it, they had sick bags with them on on their, okay. their flights. Mm. Because he's still surely you've got to hold them very tight if you're doing barrel rolls and stuff. Even mm. if you're just catching half of it, that's still uh, that's less vomit Enough. on the inside of the plane. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah are, yeah. are you culpable for getting vomit into like military hardware? Do they make you pay for that cleaning? I Probably. Don't. I mean, uh, look, it's a tricky one. I mean, you know, the human body is not built to go for those speeds. I kind of feel like every, everyone's allowed one bomb, I reckon. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> everybody gets one. Um, yeah, so riding on the back of the film's success, uh, the US Navy set up recruiting booths in major cinemas to try and catch mm. some of the adrenaline-charged guys leaving the screenings. <laughs> they had the highest application rates for years as a result. Yeah. Yeah, that what is it? What was the number? It went up five hundred percent after the film came out. It sure did. Wow. Far out. Uh, I'm because they did a similar thing with Captain Marvel. I don't know if they set up yes. recruitment booths nearby. In Captain but, America. Like, no, no, Captain, Marvel, Captain Marvel specifically Marvel. for the Air Force because she's an oh, Air Force pilot. Yeah. So, and the, the, similar to this, the Air Force uh, funded a lot of the film. So, mm. I wonder if they had a similar upkeep. Uh, I mean, uptick that, in recruitment. I mean, that one was quite recent as well at the time of recording so the figures may not have been released yet I, I don't know i have not looked them up but it wouldn't surprise me particularly as well because at the same time as shooting captain marvel they shot specific commercial material to yes. go yeah. alongside the release of the film um but yeah it's it's an interesting one that that kind of conflation of the military, the Navy, the Air Force with film. Uh, and there were a lot of critics at the time who were complaining about the movie essentially just being a Navy recruitment film. Um, Paramount mm. apparently offered to include a Navy recruitment ad on the initial home video release in exchange for debits owed um, to the US <laughs> Navy for their cooperation. However, the ad agency who produced ads for the US military informed the Pentagon that the movie itself was enough of the propaganda tool and that an official recruiting ad would be redundant. Mm. <laughs> Which I think is saying something. If the advertisers mm -hmm. are like, nah, you've done our job for us. We don't yeah. need to push you this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This'll do. This'll yeah. do. It's it's interesting. Um Stunt pilot Art Scholl uh, was unfortunately killed during the production of this film. Uh, he was 54. Mm. Um, he died when his Pitts S2 camera plane failed to recover from a flat spin and plunged into the Pacific Ocean. Um, the exact cause of the crash was never determined, and neither the aircraft nor Scholl's body were ever recovered. The film is dedicated to him for that reason. Wow. Mm. So I think that's kind of just, again, a reminder that this was not a film in a traditional sense there was not a lot of like studio shot stuff or there was mm. significantly more um stuff that was dangerous like you know flying these planes planes around even when controlled even with the best pilots mm. this this was still massively dangerous definitely that's what i mean about how the technical aptitude of the shots includes the composition which means where they're put in the planes those are multi-million dollar machines that take years and years of dedicated training just to fly, not to fly stunts with. Mm. It's, yeah, oh, it's incredible. Just to really get incredible. into the cockpit, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. The character portrayed by Kelly McGillis is based on Christine Fox, a civilian flight instructor the producers met on a visit to Myanmar while doing research for the film. Fox eventually rose through the ranks at the Pentagon, retiring in May 2014 as acting deputy secretary of defense, the highest post ever held by a woman at the Department of Defense. Mm. I mean, so not only, her, I guess. Yeah, yeah, not only was she a complete badass, but she's in Top Gun basically which yeah, i i think you, you can reflect on your retirement party and go i think i did pretty well yeah i wonder i wonder if she gets <laughs> a lot of clout for that or if a lot of mockery for that it'd be interesting she's uh, not to see. the character in the film is not exactly a strong positive female mm. example it definitely it definitely fails the Bechtel but test. for an 80s military flick 
she is a stronger female character than I would say the majority of films at that time would have uh, included. So mm. that, that could help. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think given that the sort of original female lead plan for this film was a bit more uh, bimbo-ish, I think I read um, somewhere. I think it was, it was a groupie. Yeah, essentially. Um, it would have been one of those ladies that we saw in the bar flirting in yeah. a way which at least my partner said no woman has ever flirted with a man <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the fact that the, the producers met somebody in that field who was a, a woman and were able to actually integrate some of that into the film. So it wasn't a complete dick fest. It still, mm. as you say, failed the Bechdel test. It's still quite unsatisfactory uh, as a contemporary viewer watching this film, but it's not like the the worst offender of it. And at the very least, yeah. it it's it's something. It's not much. It's not enough, but it's something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's almost it would almost be better. You could cut out the romance subplot and not actually lose anything from this film, I think. Mm. Uh nobody had ever buzzed the tower at Myanmar before. The Navy pilots who were flying the scenes for the film drew straws to see who would get to do it because that <laughs> is a practical effect where they fly at mm, that place. Yeah, of course. Um, it went to Lieutenant Commander Lloyd Bozo Abel, Bozo being his, uh, his call sign. Michael Ironside just happened to be at the hangar that day and the plane flew low enough where they could see into the cockpit as, if, as it flew by. He said it was one of the most spectacular things he ever saw. Wow. It must be yeah, awe-inspiring to see something that big fly mm. that fast, so close yeah. to you. Mm. And terrifying. And indeed, just the pure mechanical power that far away. Mm-hmm. And indeed, it was Lieutenant Bozo who uh, flew Tom Cruise in an F-14 for the first time. Uh, after Bozo did some manoeuvres, Cruise finally had no choice but to reach for the sick bag because he'd been jostled around enough. <laughs> um, but, but as he did so, Bozo did a manoeuvre that put Cruise's head to the floor of the cockpit as he struggled to activate the intercom to tell Bozo what was happening. When Bozo finally levelled the plane, Cruise hit the intercom and said, Bozo, didn't you see I wasn't in your rearview mirror? And Bozo replied, sorry, but then again, they don't call me Bozo for nothing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it sounds like the insanity of Maverick is pretty close to the real thing. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit deranged to want to do that stuff, right? Mm. Like, <laughs> if I was Tom Cruise, just, yeah. I don't know how happy I'd be. It's like, this is the guy who's flying you. What's his name? We call him Bozo. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but why? No reason. You'll find out. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. For the opening of the film, director Tony Scott wanted to shoot aircraft taking off and landing on the aircraft carrier backlit by the sun. The carrier captain had changed course, uh, the course of the ship, and when Scott asked if the ship can continue uh, back on its previous course and speed, he was told that turning the ship would cost $25,000. Scott wrote the captain a check on the spot so that the ship could be turned around and they could shoot for another five minutes. According to Scott, the check bounced. <laughs> I'm sure the US military could find the money somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> dip into a pocket somewhere to figure it out. Mm. I think they maybe uh went, you know what? I think we've still got the better end of this deal. We can afford one yeah. turn left maneuver. <laughs> uh the pilot that gets flipped off by Maverick and Goose is Admiral Robert Willard, who is the lead flight choreographer for the film. He was the commander of the United States Pacific Fleet from 2007 until 2009. Hmm. That's, that's a fairly high rank. Yeah. And he got flipped off by a couple of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of actors. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, there was a lot of military personnel, Navy personnel in this yeah. film. And, I, think, I watch the credits. There's, yeah. there's quite a long list. There's an entire... Yeah, it keeps going. Of, yeah. yeah, there's an entire squadron of pilots that did all the technical stuff. Then there was technical advisors. Then there was Navy. There was like Navy technical advisors, mm. um, like language advisors. There was a... Yeah, that was... I think that's what it was. Navy technical language advisor. So it was like getting the right terms. And, mm. and that's, that's, you know, because if it's going to be a... If it's going to be a big giant ad, they want it to be accurate. Yeah. Except it's not. 
because you don't. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no there's no like cleaning latrines and you know being ordered to stare at. Like I've got I got friends that are in the navy, the mm. air force here. Sorry. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's not that. <laughs> it was never that. <laughs> no, not nearly this glamorous. No, no. Mm. Uh, well, Rick Rossovich, um, who uh, was arguably the most dehydrated in the volleyball game, uh, based on <laughs> commentary from Ellen next to me, uh, stated in DVD commentary, he was kicked off the ship that was being used for filming because he smarted off to an officer. Rossovich had gone to sleep in the bunk uh, which he'd been assigned, but didn't like it because it was quite close to the nuclear reactors that powered the ship. Uh, so he moved. <laughs> Uh, when he smarted off to the officer who wanted his bunk back, Rosovich was told to report to the captain who ordered him thrown off the ship for disrespect. Wow. You don't, you don't f*** with the hierarchy of command on their ship. Yes. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, Tom Cruise is three inches shorter than Kerry McGillis, which you wouldn't <laughs> have known watching this film. Um, this bothered Paramount greatly, apparently. They, they were like, what, a, a, the woman being taller than the man? This won't do. <laughs> um, so to even up their heights, Tom Cruise wore special cowboy boots that gave him an extra little boost, whilst McGillis didn't wear shoes during her scenes. God, he, he's, he's very small, Tom Cruise. And that's, that has been a common thing in all his films. Is he's never the short guy. He's always the equal height to the six foot lead actress and you're like eh, yeah i don't know about that yeah i'm trying to think about him in relation to henry cavill in fallout and i just i don't remember him ever oh, being yeah he would look shorter. like a child but i just <laughs> oh. don't remember him ever being visibly shorter in that film uh, tom, like i mean shot. tom cruise is 170 centimeters which i might say as someone who's 171 centimeters that's a perfectly fine height that is <laughs> that is a-okay um but i i do think it is very interesting that like they had to like dig trenches into sets and floors so that they could walk together and it not look weird. You know, things like that. I, I just find fascinating. Uh, it's not too far off here. I'll show you a picture. They're about right. They're about right. They're not too far. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this film is credited with starting the home video industry. Originally, mm -hmm. v VHS tapes were priced at $100 upon their first release and were sold mainly oh. to video stores. This film was priced to own immediately upon release, made possible by Pepsi Cola buying um, ad space at the beginning of the tape. Since then, <coughs> pricing VH tapes to own right away became a more common practice, as indeed did the practice of having adverts before the feature. Wow, mm. yeah, okay. Mm. So th this was quite influential. Uh, Everyone was hungry for Top Gun. Yeah, mm. and as Brett has just very kindly provided, um, Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise are not too dissimilar in height. No, no. I mean, Cavill's definitely... Those photos. Mm. I, th I think he's standing closer to the camera in that first one. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say that's a stage photo. But the second one, they see, he seems further back. So if anything, it's exaggerated in the second one. So yeah, I don't think they're too to far off. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, Cavill's taller, but that's fine. It's, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, we don't come to Tom Cruise for height. They come to him for, another, for middle tooth and speed. incredibly long stares. <laughs> and roof mouth kissing. Yeah. And weirdly intense, that stare. It's just, it was very unsettling. Uh, the yeah, final, I mean, he has had a lot of them. Yeah. The final bit of trivia. Uh, this is more um, alternate casting, essentially. Uh, I've got a list of actors who were either considered or offered the part of Maverick. Uh, and I just want you guys to let me know whether or not you think they would have been good. Not better than Tom Cruise, not as good, just if you would have thought they could have carried the character of Maverick. Uh, and the first one I have is Patrick Swayze. Mm, no, too soft. Yeah, too soft. I, I yeah, I can't like, really imagine that. I could see him as Iceman. It'd be, it, yeah, I could see him as Iceman, but it'd be the same character as Roadhouse if he was, was going to be Maverick. Roadhouse. Uh, yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage. I mean, oh, put the cage in the sky. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for that. You have Con Air then. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> oh um, man, because that would have been that would have been like Vampire's Kiss era Cage just going absolutely nuts. So it's hog wild. Be a cage, very yeah. very different film. Mm. Michael J. Fox. Uh, I just I don't see it at all. 
even shorter. Also, he'd have been getting chewed out by his principal from Back to the Future. It would have just been weird. <laughs> it would have been so a weird combo. No matter how old Michael J. Fox gets, I can't envision him as anything more than a teenager. Mm. I feel like it's... No matter uh, what is in. I think it's a problem that we'll, in the future we'll call the Tom Holland problem. Uh, mm. <laughs> I think he's someone that's going to have a very similar issue um, of uh, just always sure. being a baby. Um, and yeah, and also as soon as Michael J. Fox gets that plane to anywhere near Mac One, it disappears and goes back in time thing. So <laughs> that's going to be a problem. It's, a problem. it's, a uh, yeah. it's Goose, film. Marty. It's Goose. <laughs> We've got to go back. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, Tom Hanks. No. Oh, I mean, could have been good or good like dry run for Sully, I guess. Mm. No, even then he would. He, nah, again, too soft, right? Too soft. Yeah, he doesn't have that arrogance that that really. He's too much of a nice guy, especially after Big. Like this was not that long after Big, and mm. Sleepers in Seattle was ninety one, I think. So I think this would have disrupted it. Yeah, his trajectory. Uh, two others: Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he was. He was so deep into his drug phase at this point. Though. I don't know if it would have been a a good play so mm. yeah that's a good point and finally speaking of drug phase charlie sheen oh um, nah because well, then we wouldn't have got hot shots for me. yeah we, we wouldn't have got have hot, hot shots. shots so that's fine yeah we, we we got him in that role so it's all it's all yeah. good yeah we're gonna be uh, as rambo and as maverick and as oh what else is it oh as and as um, kevin costner's dances with wolves that's what hot yeah. shots draws from it's been a long time since I've watched that film and I'm just going to see if I can add it to the list because uh, yes. yes. I'm worried about whether or not it holds up, but we'll find out. <laughs> um, ultimately, I think this was quite a fun film, but maybe not a good film. Uh, and it's all that's left for us to do is to score it. Brett, it was your first time watching Top Gun. What are you going to give it out of 10? Um, I don't know. Maybe three butts. I want three butts. Three butts out of ten. Three butts. Three butts out of no. I say three butts out of five. Okay. Because it was. It was. It was enjoyable. It was shallow. It was probably everything it needed to do. Ultimately, we're watching a propaganda piece from the American Air Force. Hmm. But I, I really do enjoy the, uh, the technical aspects of it. I think Hmm. Ridley Scott's a uh, Ridley Scott. Tony Scott's a pretty technical cinematographer in terms Hmm. of what he demands for his shots. So. I yeah, there was a lot of things done for the first time in this, and I really respect that. All right, what about yourself, Andrew? Mm, I'm, I'm in a similar vein. I think I'm going to give it six and a half spilled coffee uh, coffee cups mm. out of ten. <laughs> Just uh, most of that is for the uh, yeah, like you're saying, the practicality of, of the uh, fighter pilots and the the jet shots. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in a, in the similar ballpark, maybe maybe slightly lower, um, simply because jet planes just don't excite me, and I don't know what's wrong with me as a human being. But it it just yeah, it it, it you're a, a ground based man. I'm a ground yeah, I'm a ground boy. I like the ground. Uh, it's 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 a fine film. It has got many many flaws, but it's also a film which works with a lot of them um, and does does okay not not groundbreaking not scintillating not not incredible and probably not what i'm going to be thinking about much beyond uh, the next few days i don't think it's going to be re- <laughs> once the edit's done yeah once the edit's yeah. done and it's <laughs> online that's it <laughs> yeah i don't think i'm going to be coming back to it that much but a perfectly fine and serviceable film so i'm going to give it five and a half uh, tongues to the roof of the mouth out of out of ten, it's worth half as many as any other point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, you have to do it twice as hard. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I I did have a fun time watching it. Um, it it was a very very enjoyable film to watch. So um, yeah, like my wife stopped what she was doing and sat down and ended up watching the whole thing. So you know, it is a spectacle, right? Yeah, and um, I think spectacle is a good word for it. Yeah, and look, it worked. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it dragged the attention and even though yeah, I, I don't think any of us sat there and went masterpiece I think it, <laughs> it's, a, it's a perfectly fine film I certainly wouldn't say don't watch it 
um, which no, I, you got yeah. an afternoon, you got two hours to kill, pop yeah. and Top Gun, give if it a go. If you're but, half buzzed and you feel like you wanna, you feel the need for um, need for cruising. Mm-hmm. I think is this yeah. Yeah, then this is Tom, your film. Need for Tom Cruising, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Andrew and Brett, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Cantrip Club. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Great and time. For, and for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Hey, I've got the need, the need for more episodes. Well, there's about 160 others. They're all available for you to listen to over at SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes. However you choose to get podcasts, just go over there and uh, click the subscribe button or the download button or whatever button it is. Just, you'll get a fresh episode each and every week. Hey, you might be sitting there going, take my money away. That's right, we have a Patreon. You can give us a very small amount of money. I promise I won't sing again um, if you do. Just go over to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and for as little as a dollar a month, you can get bonus goodies, uh, including maybe a video too or of uh, Dr. Ellen reacting to certain scenes <laughs> in this film. Because uh, every uh, dollar pledge mm. is a day longer Stephen doesn't sing. Yes. <laughs> Only you can keep him at bay. And, and those, uh, those videos are absolutely worth the price of entry. The outrage on display is mwah, impeccable. <laughs> yes, she was very cross. And... Uh, you know, if you want to go right into the danger zone that is social media, because uh, it's a horrible morass of lies, we can be found on Facebook. Uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. Uh, we do our best to tell the truth all the time. Please uh, go over there for any news and updates and uh, join us in our little, little nice corner of uh, the Facebook website, which, uh, you know, some people are not very happy with at the moment for various reasons. But uh, our corner, it's all right. So head over there and uh, get get movie news and try and ignore the world. And on that happy note, uh, we are going to finish. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Bye. I went to the danger zone. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.